Hello, everyone. The podcast you're about to listen to reflects the opinions of only the people on the show, and not the official position of the Daily Beacon, its staff, or any of its editors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Beacon's Politics Podcast. I am your host slash moderator, Jared Nelson, here today with four of our lovely columnists for the Daily Beacon, including Zach Osborne, who writes Law Not Order on Thursdays. How are you doing, Zach? It's Friday. That's it. That's true. I'm happy. I'm about to graduate, too. Anyway, Sydney Tyndall, who writes From My Perspective Every Other Friday. What's up? Not much. I'm also happy it's Friday. Uh Emma Hines, who writes Environmental on Thursdays. Hey, guys. Also excited it's Friday. God, is that it? Is that all you're, you're going to give me? Yep. So Owen Flomberg, who writes Living the Dream, that's it, right, on Tuesdays. Oh, well, just living the dream, surviving here. You did it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Having a good day? Yeah, I'm very glad I picked that to be the name of my... Just um, so that you could yes. have a pun for the opening of this podcast, <laughs> Every right? Every single one. Exciting stuff. I'm actually jealous that you got yeah. a good one. Yeah, he did, like, didn't he? I really like I'm mine. I'm just terrible at titles. I'm just, they're just not my thing. It was a triple entendre. Triple. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like look at it and think sometimes. It's, um, <laughs> I'm full of... Anyway. <laughs> I guess I can't swear on this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> today we are talking about the role that Cambridge Analytica and Facebook played in the 2016 election. Now, if you're unaware exactly what this was referring to... I guess about a week ago now, or maybe just a couple of days. I can't keep, couple days. I can't keep anything straight these days, guys. Day. I'm going to be real. Uh, a couple days ago, a story in the New York Times came out essentially detailing the fact that Cambridge Analytica, which is a um, British data firm that the Trump campaign used in 2016 to essentially run its social media, or at least get data to run its social media, do like targeting of people on Facebook and things like that. Um, that they had actually illegally acquired um, 50 million or so profiles from Facebook's data set. Um, the guy behind all this, um, well, not the guy behind it, but Christopher Wiley is a data technician who's kind of the whistleblower on all of this. He worked for Cambridge Analytica during this time. Um, and he essentially spoke to the New York Times about how they acquired all of this data, not by going through Facebook, which is the way that Facebook says that you should acquire their data because you have to pay for it, but instead they legally acquired access to tons of this data through a Russian professor named Alexander Kogan, who, just as like a funny aside, apparently tried to legally change his name to Dr. Spectre because he couldn't be more of a James Bond villain than he is already. <laughs> um, so... They essentially couldn't afford access to the data that they wanted to use, so they got it through this Russian professor who already had access to this data to run a study that he was working on. And he essentially just funneled all this data to them. Um, Basically, only 270,000 people consented to have their data gathered for the study that Kogan was running, but he funneled over 50 million profiles to Cambridge Analytica and did not disclose the purpose of what he was funneling to the people participating in the study. So it's a big deal. Um, on a side note, this firm was founded by a guy named Alexander Nix, who's a British national, um, who has recently been caught in some Guardian stories, uh, essentially plotting to hire prostitutes to frame politicians in compromising sexual positions 
to then use as leverage in elections. So it's a pretty shady situation all around, basically. Um, Analytica is further funded by a guy named Robert Mercer, who was one of the biggest donors to Trump's campaign. He's one of the richest men in the world, a very conservative billionaire. Um, and they essentially got a lot of money from Robert Mercer um, and have ties to him and some of his other media operations. So it's just a big, large mess. But what we really wanted to focus on was the role that social media played in 2016, uh, specifically Facebook. Um, so I wanted to go around and get some reactions to this. Owen, you had an interesting comment right before we started recording that social media should be what exactly? I mean, I was saying this more in a... Oh, yes. Uh, in the chest, <laughs> it was a joke, but I, I really, I don't see any... I don't think there's a net positive for social media, and I would like to kind of argue with someone or talk to someone who's argues that there is a net positive that goes along with social media. I mean, studies have shown that like the psychological, um, you know, impacts that social media has, especially on children and like teens has been kind of terrible. Um, we're finding out more and more of how social media is being manipulated for political and very corrupt kind of uh, agendas and without really consent of people and this, um, uh, this case with Cambridge Analytica is, you know, a prime example of that. Um, but yeah, so I really hate social media, but I use it, you know. <laughs> As we all do, it seems. I mean, because you kind of have to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'll try to, like, totally cut myself off, but, you know, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And it's I, an important information stream, right? Yeah. One thing, you wrote your column Tuesday about this, um, kind mm -hmm. of addressing it, and you seemed in there to not really find this exceptional. And I wonder if you could expound upon that a little bit more. This was also before some of the facts had come out about mm -hmm. this case. So like I wrote the article on uh, Sunday or, or Monday and that's kind of when the story yeah. actually broke. But um, the whole, like if you remove kind of the constructs of how they actually obtain the data, you mm -hmm. know, in that illegal way from this professor or whatever in Russia, um, companies, and political organizations are constantly collecting data on people, whether they receive it through social media or other means. And they, not to cut you off, but they used this data much like advertisers yeah. do. They used this data of profiles to create essentially like, they call them psychographic yeah. profiles of voters. So essentially like, what you're into, what issues, mm -hmm. like are you interested in, what sides do you take on issues? And then they used that to target ads yeah. across Facebook to them that were pro-Trump, anti-Hillary, Clinton, things like that. Yeah, and correct me if you're if I'm wrong here, but it, from what I understand, companies are doing this sort of you know a yes. very very similar thing mm -hmm. in kind of the corporate side of things. Yes, they're not trying to sway you in a political direction, but it didn't even seem like Cambridge Analytica was trying to really sway anyone, but really mobilize people based on mm -hmm. kind of these innate feelings and positions they already had. And in a very similar way, I feel that you know. The corporate world tries to mobilize yeah. consumers to buy or spend money in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And yes, voting is much more consequential than, you know, buying a t-shirt or, you know, downloading an app or something like that. But when you kind of look at it from like a bird's eye view, I just don't see how different it is. I think they're both kind of bad. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Emma, would you like to respond to any of that? Yeah, so you said you were interested in talking to someone who does see a net positive in social media. Well, here I am. Um, <laughs> personally, as someone who grew up probably about 16 plus hours away from extended family and now living very far away from my family in school, I think it is very like important for people to have these connections because it allows me to see what my aunt did on Facebook yesterday and like it allows me to see videos of the show that my little sister is in and those are things that I would not normally get kind of thing. So I do think it allows people to stay a lot more connected than they would. I definitely am not arguing the fact that it's being abused a lot, um, but I do believe that there's a net positive. But just to kind of expand on what you were saying, um, I feel like people are, might be treating this as more of an issue than it slightly is. People are trying to uh, cry wolf and say, like, this changed the election, mm -hmm. all this, all that stuff, but, like, people's votes aren't going to be changed by an ad on Facebook. It's not that's not going to change whether or not you were for Hillary Clinton or against her kind of thing. I think it just more furthered people's biases that they already had, so mm -hmm. it certainly didn't help the situation, but it definitely did not sway the election. Yeah, see, that I, I think that's an interesting thing, is that they are often, these like things are often framed in terms of their consequences. Um, wait, yeah? Yeah, 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 and just real quick, if I'm not mistaken, I think I read this somewhere, I think uh, Mitt Romney, or you used a similar sort of like social media targeting technique that could be totally wrong but i feel like i read that yeah somewhere. i'm not aware of it i mean i wouldn't be all candidates use these types of yeah. things i mean like hillary obama clinton yeah obama did it they was actually yeah. noted to do it noted for doing it in 2008 it was kind of like revolutionary mm -hmm. at the time um i mean hillary clinton had a data operation in 2016 as well and i think that what's got people riled up specifically about this instance is is the method with which they came about acquiring that data mm -hmm. Um, and using it to target people is it makes it feel almost a little bit more insidious when it wasn't insidious when it wasn't just like bought through Facebook's normal channels. Um, and Zach, I was curious what uh, you were thinking. I know you have some strong views on how Facebook operates, and I definitely want to get your reaction to Facebook's reaction, which was to ban Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica from using any of their data from now on. Of course, a lot of stuff has come out that they might have known they were using it and not really cared. Um, and they only banned them once they were contacted by the New York Times telling them, hey, we're going to run this story, do you want to provide comment? And before they published the story, Facebook banned Cambridge Analytica and said, we're looking into our data use protocol. So I was curious what you thought about their reaction. I think that it is solely based in public optics, mm -hmm. um, especially from a legal standpoint, because the entire situation, Kogan, Cambridge Analytica, and Facebook, face two significant barriers in terms of significant prosecution. Um, Facebook, uh, first and foremost, Facebook is going to face some significant antitrust scrutiny and probably some regulatory scrutiny mm -hmm. as well based on this. Yeah. Congress has already, yeah. some people in Congress have already considered bills, like ways to regulate mm -hmm. Facebook ads. I know the one that's passing through right now, I think Senator Mark Warner is a part of. Uh, from Virginia is to with um, yeah I think it is with McCain yeah and they are essentially looking at when you buy an ad on Facebook right now you don't know who bought that ad whether it's political or not political now on television every other medium you have to disclose who bought a political ad but on Facebook that doesn't work that way um, so they're working towards that but I was curious what what you thought uh, not to cut you off or anything no 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 yeah. that's a that's absolutely mm -hmm. important to the discussion. Um, so that's the first part is kind of how they're having to battle this in the legal field. Mm -hmm. The second is how they go about removing themselves from the equation. Um, Facebook, the way the steps that they've taken, 
um, definitely says, we're trying to put this all on Kogan and Cambridge Analytica. We want them to be the bad guy, and we want them to say, oh, well, this is a, this is a fraud, fraudulent use of our services. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that we have two very difficult barriers to overcome in terms of prosecuting that, in that, one, there's not a ton of physical evidence that links intent to the act. Mm -hmm. The second is we have some issues with jurisdiction. Um, Kogan is British, if I'm not mistaken. Or, well, he is Russian, but he works in England, yes. which is also where Cambridge Analytica, their parent company, is based. So it's hard to prosecute a British person exactly. in America. <laughs> exactly. So going forwards, I think that as this develops further and further, whether or not uh, more pieces within the Trump 2016 election machine are pushed in the spotlight or otherwise, Facebook is operating solely from a point of how do we save ourselves? Because mm -hmm. this looks terrible. Yeah. This is this is the one thing that, when as Facebook started to emerge, I had done some research prior to the podcast, and as Facebook started to emerge as the global tech giant it is, this was one of the main concerns of our legislature at the time, is how do we protect people? Mm -hmm. um, because... I mean, it's probably the most, arguably, I'd say the most efficient <clears throat> data mining resource on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, We're generating a lot of data yeah. on Facebook every day. Yes. Um, but not only are we generating that much data, we're doing most of it voluntarily. Mm -hmm. And so as opposed to trying to break into people's secure files, you can get a lot of that data just from the things that they've said, the connections that they have, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think Facebook is set right now, is how do we, pro how do we protect ourselves first mm -hmm. in the legal field, and how do we remove ourselves from the equation yeah. that is inevitably going to lead to anger? Removing yourself from the equation is interesting, because I know that you're all probably aware Facebook recently changed its algorithm for what shows up on the news feed. So they hide this algorithm behind corporate you know, walls and things like that because I don't want anybody to know exactly what it is. Um, but they essentially said that they were changing the algorithm to start favoring family and friends pictures, posts, personal things like that more than things from brands or news sites or outside parties. Um, and this seemed to be, um, speculating, but it's I think it's pretty well founded that this was in response to all the criticism that they got for fake news floating around in 2016 for things like, I mean, now we see that their data was breached, you know, things like that. Um, so they're kind of like stepping back or trying to step back from that public sphere of like sharing news articles on Facebook and things like that being the dominant way that you interact on there. Um, I was curious, Sydney, uh, do you think that that's a good decision from them? Is it too little too late? How do you, how do, you do that? To change their policy? Yeah, like, do you think that Facebook, for lack of a better term, was trying to be the, the front page of the internet or the, the town hall of the internet, right, where you shared things? And yeah, do you absolutely. think that I it makes sense? Yeah, do you think that it makes sense for them to try to pull back from that to respond to this, or I is just, there more they could do? Oh, there's. I think there's more they can do. At this yeah. Point. I think the American people expect more of them. Like mm -hmm. Zach mentioned, um, they're going to be subject to a lot of regulation. There's probably Zuckerberg's probably going to have to appear before Congress. Like people are taking this very seriously. Um, I wanted to mention that the, some people are really not surprised by this at all. Mm -hmm. um, I found an article in the Atlantic this morning that says back in 2010, Penn State <laughs> researchers recorded um, 1,800 apps on Facebook they were asking for. And they found that um, 
apps were asking for permission to access friends' information, which is exactly what they did, what Cambridge Analytica was kind of doing. They accessing would get, friends' information. Yeah, accessing friends of people. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, so, um, like, if I was friends with Emma, they would have, like, my information, fine, but then if she liked my picture or, you know, commented on it, then they all of a sudden have all her information, mm-hmm. too, without her knowledge or permission. So this has been a concern since, like, 2010. And I guess um, scholars have tried to warn people about it, but it just didn't it didn't mm-hmm. catch at all. And here we are now. And I wanted to um, respond to you guys earlier about whether you think social media is positive or negative. I see where you're coming from with you saying that it has a lot of really bad effects on, like, um, on children growing up. Because, um, like, we didn't really grow up, up on social media. I feel like it was mm-hmm. there when we were like almost adults like we were teenagers kind of like transitioning but like whereas like my sister she's 15 Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like all she's ever known is kind of like the digital world but to your point yes without facebook i would have absolutely no idea what's going on in my family's lives Mm -hmm. because of just how little i see my extended family so with that i get to see what's going on also like it sucks to mention this but like the, really the only way I can get people to read my articles is through Facebook too that's true because <laughs> like my Twitter because yeah. my Twitter is locked for, for yeah. reasons I'll explain later <laughs> but it's a it's a way that people mm-hmm. like gain influence too and also another thing that I worry about is people who have started kind of like a career of being an, a public figure and an influencer on Facebook because mm-hmm. like a lot of those people that's how they make money that's you know true. what I mean like they, they share videos and it goes viral mm-hmm. they have partnerships with Google they get paid that way and I don't know if some of those influencers also have YouTube or they also, you know, have partnerships with other places, but mm-hmm. I think it, it might hurt a lot of people from a monetary standpoint, too. Yeah. But I definitely don't think this is going to go away. No. Um, I think, and I, as far as I know, Mark Zuckerberg is open to the idea of more regulation. He's open to the idea yeah. of talking to people. He went on CNN, I guess, probably two nights ago, basically mm-hmm. right after the story broke, mm-hmm. to try to do some damage control and essentially said... Um, that he was open to working with Congress or regulators to figure out how to fix the problems Facebook has mm-hmm. with political manipulation, specifically data breaches like this one, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I think Zuckerberg has an interesting role in all of this because it's long been my belief that Zuckerberg wants to be president of the United States. Um, and I'm, I'm totally <laughs> speculating here. I'm just going off here. But you don't drive to rural Iowa, take pictures with farmers, and talk about how much you love it, usually unless you're trying to run for something, right? Right. Uh, Especially Iowa, of all places, which (laughs) is the the first caucus in the nation, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's interesting to watch Zuckerberg all of a sudden, now that he's receiving quite significant pushback, really start to back away from the political sphere. Like Facebook now, pulling back like completely from sharing news articles, trying to be involved in that, being focusing more on connect, like you said, like connecting you mm-hmm. to your friends and your family. Like that was the explicit reasoning behind this algorithm change they did. Um, yeah, Emma. Yeah, I think that's kind of a PR move on his part because he's seeing that so many people are getting upset by all of like the fake news mm-hmm. stories and everything. And so he's giving the people what they want, which is seeing pictures of their families and mm-hmm. their friends and everything. And so I wouldn't even necessarily say he's backing away from the political sphere, but it's more of a PR move on his part. Mm-hmm. That's the good side of Facebook is yeah. mm-hmm. the family and the friends mm-hmm. and like the cute dog pictures and all that. <laughs> That's the good part. Mm-hmm. The bad part is is people living in these echo chambers where they're just mm-hmm. surrounded by these rando people that they found on the internet 
that only agree with them and that's all they hear and that's the only news that they're getting is news that they already agree with. I think that is the most dangerous part of social media. I have to mention that could also in part be because of the, um, the advertisements or whatever yeah. was influenced yeah. in the political <laughs> scheme here and also the Russian bots thing yeah. that was happening through Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. So like you said, it's probably not likely that an advertisement changed someone's vote, but if those advertisements were spreading false mm -hmm. information, like factually incorrect information like Pizzagate, and someone goes, oh my God, you know, Alex Jones is telling me Hillary Clinton <laughs> and Bill Clinton are running a child sex ring underneath this pizza yes. shop, they're going to believe it and they're, it's going to deter them from voting for her, even though that's absolutely yeah. false. Or it's going to spread to right. other groups, right? Exactly. Zach seemed to have quite the look on his face just to chime in here about the echo today. chamber thing. Yeah. Just to, yeah. No. So, <laughs> so, kind of trampolining off of Owen's point, I think Facebook is one of the worst outlets for free speech on the planet. Owen is. It, you can snap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. It is tragically bad at the one mm -hmm. thing that it purports that it does. Mm -hmm. It gives you a platform to voice your opinion. The problem is, is that statistically, it doesn't at all. So there's this concept within public opinion polling called the spiral of silence. The way that it works is, so say I have an opinion, Owen has an opinion. Owen's opinion is different than mine. Mm -hmm. And a couple of my friends agree with Owen. I'm going to stay silent because I don't want to be cast out of the group. Mm -hmm. Even if Owen is in the minority opinion... I think that he's the majority, and so I talk less and less and less, and then Owen, while being the minority still in this position, eventually becomes the majority to me and my small group that I try to accumulate to make it seem like I still have cohesion, and then eventually a swap occurs where he becomes the majority, the actual de facto majority, and I become the minority despite never having a dialogue. Mm -hmm. So phenomenon like this in the social sphere that we there's evidence that this happens within face-to-face -face dialogue but not to the degree that it happens on mm -hmm. Facebook because when we are on Facebook and we're we're debating with someone mm -hmm. we can remove ourselves from that conversation if we're to remove ourselves from a physical conversation we actually have to physically remove ourselves as opposed to just xing out of Facebook yes and so it removes this pivotal social aspect of discourse that keeps us coming back and keeps the dialogue moving, mm -hmm. which is why I hate Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the effects that Facebook has on people are really interesting to look at. Um, Owen mentioned this earlier, like with your little opening thing, but um, a lot of research says that Facebook makes people sad. Mm -hmm. So the way that, I know that's a very simple thing, but essentially like the more that you casually passively absorb Facebook content, the sadder and sadder you get, you actually get this feeling of alienation because you see all of this connection happening and you're not participating in it. And so you, as you scroll through all these pictures, all these things, um, eventually end up feeling left out and alone, even though you're connected, in air quotes there, um, to the rest of the world. Uh, this is interesting. They measured this by essentially like having people self-report their happiness levels um, and having one group of people use Facebook and the other people not use Facebook. And it was every time right after they used Facebook, the people that had used it were significantly less happy than they were before they used it. Um, and people are doing this absent-mindedly, right? Like we're going, 
with our phones, and like you get bored for half a second, mm -hmm. and you are like, mm, you need to do something, and you pull out your phone, and you open Twitter, you open Facebook, whatever, and now you're you're immediately engaged again. But you're probably affecting yourself in, in ways that you don't quite understand. And that doesn't get rid of the positive aspects, because this research also shows that when you engage on Facebook, you feel better. So if you're commenting, liking, actually interacting with people, you do feel better about yourself because you feel that connection. It's not false, it's real. Um, and so that gets to what Zach said too with this spiral science. If you're not interacting, you're not voicing your opinion, you get slowly and slowly pushed to the bottom, which is the way that the majority of people use Facebook, which is very passive. Um, Facebook also, beyond that, which they have responded to this research and they essentially say, well, if you use it right, it won't make you sad. Which is like, okay, if I use drugs well, right, I don't yeah. get sad either, right? <laughs> like, what is but, using it right? I feel yeah. like that's subjective. Mm -hmm. It's well, however well, it, much you want They to think, it. they have a very good theory about this, right? To, to them, to Facebook, to all these, all of these like tech giant, algorithmically driven companies, their goal, the way to use it right is to engage with it. Right, like YouTube, YouTube's algorithm, just to get into another example, prioritizes videos that have lots of comments on it, or they're really long, or they have a lot of like, so engagement, right? Like if, you, if that video is being engaged with a lot, not just being watched, but like really engaged, shared, all of these things, it prioritizes it. Facebook does the same thing. I'm sure you've noticed like the posts you see have tons of comments on them. You don't see the, the, com the posts that don't have, that have like zero comments, right? Unless you're specifically looking for them on a friend's feed. But to me, what that does, and this isn't just my original thought, but you end up with these algorithms which are quote-unquote unbiased, right? They don't promote one thing or the other. What they are promoting is material that is inflammatory, that is as extreme as it can be, because extreme material pushes engagement on people. You see something that's ridiculous, you want to respond to it. And this is true with YouTube, where you see, like, there was a recent study that came out um, essentially like YouTube videos that were being shared if you start like clicking on political YouTube videos and you just keep clicking on like the next recommended thing it will get more and more extreme to, like no matter what like even if you're like a, like a liberal or conservative whatever it will keep driving you to like the Alex Joneses of the world yeah. like you said Sydney yeah um, and I, I'll just interrupt you no, real yeah. quick I'm, I follow um, Kyle Polinsky, Secular Talk have you guys ever seen him before? Mm -hmm. he's great you should watch him for sure he's great um <laughs> He's been talking about how that's been happening with him lately, how he has been having trouble getting more subscribers and views because YouTube, uh, they don't show his videos in recommended unless you're a person that's already seen him mm -hmm. before or anything else he's affiliated with. Interesting. Yeah. I think sometimes, so like Facebook is so, and social media is so ingrained in our lives that we see it almost as an institution. It is not an institution. It is a company that exists to make money. And like I know that sounds like crazy because yeah. we don't always think about that, but the more engaged you are on Facebook, the more money that they're making. Because there's more time you're spending on it and the more advertisements they're able to sell on it. All it is is Facebook is just a huge advertisement selling machine, just like how TV is. We wouldn't have cable news networks if it wasn't for companies that wanted to sell advertisements. It's all based on that profit incentive of selling corporate propaganda, you know, to support, you know, whatever they're trying to sell or push. 
you know, I mean, that sounds very like conspiracy theorists, and <laughs> no, I don't think it's that's someone. Yeah. Well, well, hey, hey, if, yeah, well, if, if, well, no, if this podcast is algorithmic, then you just got us a lot of views. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I don't say that in the way that there's someone up there somewhere who is like making all these decisions and like trying to create the system, but that's just the system that's developing or has developed because there's a profit incentive to it. And you know, the more engaged you are, the more money Facebook is making, and the more inflammatory that a post is, the more money Facebook is making. It's true. Um, well, as we move into the kind of getting close to wrapping up, I was curious about, uh, Emma, um, both make your, what you were going to say, and kind of thinking about solutions to these types of problems, and what you see as being a path forward away from this. Well, uh, the comment that I was going to make was yeah. I was saying that Facebook like pushes these controversial posts because it's making them more money. So I think it speaks, I don't want to say volumes to Facebook's character, because obviously <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. But I think it's interesting, though, that Mark Zuckerberg is talking about pushing it more towards like friends and family posts rather than like these political ads. Because if it was just a completely driven money machine, then all we would ever see are Trump's tweets and people who hate Hillary Clinton. Like, so... <laughs> Um, I think this more of a push, it's making them less money, which is the thing, because things aren't as inflammatory. Someone's dog pictures aren't as inflammatory as my political brand sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was a very interesting side to it. Yeah. But in terms of solutions, man, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one, right? Yeah. I kind of wish I knew the answer, but I don't think I do. Mm -hmm. See, my thought on it, like you said, now with like pushing people less towards the inflammatory stuff that engages people uh, is making Mark Zuckerberg less money. Um, it, is, it is definitely interesting, and I think that it's a calculation on his part to consider, will I make less money doing this on my own, or will I make even less money when Congress comes down on me, puts regulations on me, that type of thing, and makes me do this, so just doing it now. Um, I think a lot of the change... Well, I want to get Zach's opinion before I pontificate anymore here. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think your solution to Facebook is, given that you hate it so much? Oh, gosh. Um, well, the problem with regulating a company that has such deep pockets is when you impose fees for breaking those regulations, it just becomes operating costs. It's true. It, it's not punishment it's just a means to more profit. So I think first and foremost, and this is never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the, American people need, the American people need to hold Facebook accountable. Mm -hmm. if, if we're going to give you our time and we're going to give you our interest and our attention, you owe us the right to keep our private information safe. You're, you're not allowed to sell our information unless we give you individual explicit permission to do so. The problem is, is that what's going to happen with that is that they're going to stuff it in between 43 pages of terms and services and conditions that I myself have never read. I don't think anyone in this room has ever read the terms Absolutely and conditions of anything no. ever. Oh, no one does. There's a whole documentary yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. No, I mean, so the solution... I mean, is the solution to solving societal chaos where we have an informed citizenry and we have accountable persons? Frankly, that's just not realistic. Yeah. So it almost sounds though that you're you're getting close to some to something resembling a consumer bill of rights. 
I think that would hmm. I think being able to sell your data visually, which is an interesting idea and something that'll probably never happen, like you said. But um, I think that it's it's an interesting like way of thinking about it, which is that it has become societal of like, and I, I I am sympathetic to the idea, and it's a little bit more like of a libertarian idea that like in the end people are making these decisions to go on Facebook mm-hmm. to freak out at individual at like these super engaging your quotes of course like inflammatory videos right and then is that Facebook's fault for taking advantage of that making a buck I don't know uh, I would just like to say is you know you talk about people need to organize and demand these rights you know these consumer rights and stuff like that where would that organization happen on Facebook hmm. I, I, I mean like where else is it going to happen you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. it is so ingrained in our lives at this point I mean, we. I think that just speaks to kind of the hole that we're in right now. Is if you're gonna like go against Facebook, how are you gonna get everyone to organize to go against Facebook through Facebook? I, I just, I, I think we're in a very, very deep pit here. And, and if he does really run for president, I think that's just about one of the most dangerous things that <laughs> our country. I mean, you think that we're in a dangerous spot right now? I mean, the guy that controls what everyone is seeing at all times during the day running for president you know he's at the helm of this essentially propaganda producing machine you know because you're able to influence the hearts and minds of the world I don't know I, I just think that's like the scariest now, thing legit- ever is it a legitimate concern that he's going to run has he talked about this he hasn't but just take there's a look at his personal media. There's been a lot of speculation. No, no. I think it's just fear-mongering, you guys. It is. like I, I, he, I, is, I, he knows I he's not know. a liked person right now. That's not about to change. I, I don't think... Most people probably don't even know that this is going on. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there's we, all kinds of people yeah. still active on my Facebook pretending like... You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. The man was America's dandy like three months ago. We yeah. have this <laughs> unbelievably high pedestal that we place all these tech giants on. Elon yeah. Musk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, meanwhile, we need to understand that these people do not support the... They don't support the American dream. They support profit. They're beholden to shareholders because that is how a company is run. Mm-hmm. Owen brought this up earlier. They are they exist to make money. They are not here to make your life better. If they do so, that's great. But they are here to make money. And so, as with all companies, that interest is selfish. And to get to whatever they need to get to, they'll step on a throat or two. Mm-hmm. Or 50 million in this case. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. We already yeah. have a businessman president. How's that going? Yeah. I, I struggle <laughs> to comprehend. So should he run for office what degree do we as the american people because we've already shown that we don't give a crap (laughs) what degree do we impose the annulments clause on someone like zuckerberg i mean heck let's say elon musk runs yeah he's i mean i'm a huge elon musk fan Mm -hmm. but do we are we going to strip him of his business and his holdings in order so he can be a legislator I would rather have a legislator. We didn't do that to Trump, though, no, is what I'm saying. He yeah, still yeah. has ties to his business. Exactly. He's breaking the emoluments clause as we speak. So, so how are we, exactly, so how are we, as the American people, going to hold these people accountable? Well, if it's anything like Trump, I, we're not. I think, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of honest? it, I think a lot of it comes down to personal action, but we can contemplate the eventual presidency of Mark Zuckerberg on a later mm-hmm. podcast, perhaps. Um, Good Lord. 
So, uh, we'll give uh, some final parting thoughts. Um, Zach, anything? Um, this is just, this is incredible. It's been an amazing week for just news in general. That it has. I'm overstimulated. What a week this, <laughs> I always like to say, but what a week this day has been. Um, <laughs> Sydney, anything? I would just say, to the American people, like, be more conscientious of it. Because I am now, of how much I get on it and how much I'll share certain things or just be aware that it's still happening and it might continue to. Yeah. Emma? Sydney, you took words out of my mouth. But I would just say stay informed, do what you can on a personal level because those stack up. I've been just counting the minutes down for me to get out of here so I can get on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> well, be sure to share, like and share this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you just got to be, I think we can all do better. I just think we can all do better. For the love of God, do not vote for Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. Don't do it. Well, it's almost unanimous. But, uh, <laughs> right, well, thank you guys for uh, listening to us for another week. And we'll be back next week. Um, and I promise we won't talk about presidency of Mark Zuckerberg. If anything, that'll be a special. <laughs> so, uh, thanks, guys. Have a good week.